0: Dakota Johnson plays a woman who can tell the future in Sony's latest attempt at a live-action Spider-Man universe. A live-action Spider-Man spinoff? What could possibly go wrong? Actually, you know what? I'm sorry. I misread the punctuation in that sentence. What I meant to say was a live-action Spider-Man spinoff? What? Ooh, could possibly go wrong. This video is brought to you by Factor. Go to factormeals.com slash 50 to get half off your Factor order and stay tuned after this review for more info. Hello everybody, my name is Dan Merle and this is my review of Madam Web. The embargo has just dropped the day before it hits theaters, which is... Always a great sign. I'd like to thank The Simpsons, by the way, for that opening joke. I stole that from Lionel Hutz. Webb is the latest in Sony's effort to build a live-action Spider-Verse after their successful animated one, and this movie comes from director S.J. Clarkson, a first-time feature director who's built an impressive two-decade career directing prestige television. The screenplay is from Clarkson and a team of writers, including first-time writer Claire Parker and Morbius writers Burke Sharpless and Matt Sazama. That's right, Sony read the screenplay to Morbius and said, hey, you know what, let's give these writers another shot. For what it's worth, Madam Web is a better movie than Morbius, but unfortunately for Madam Web, that's not worth much. Dakota Johnson plays Cassandra Cassie Webb, a paramedic who starts getting flashes of the future. As she unravels the mystery of her new powers, she learns about her past, which includes her mother's exotic spider expeditions, and finds herself protecting a trio of teenage girls who are being stalked by Ezekiel Sims, an evil millionaire with his own spider powers, who senses that the girls will become a danger to him sometime in the future. Adam Scott also plays a key role as Cassandra's EMT partner, who has his his own place in this franchise. Now, I don't usually go into what may or may not be in the movies based on the trailers, but I feel obligated to do this, even in a non-spoiler review here, because they did throw in shots in the trailers of this spider team with the three girls that Madam Web is overseeing, becoming this like superhero crime-fighting team. And if you're going to the movie for that reason, I hate to tell you, you are going to be sorely disappointed. I don't want to spoil things but I do feel like I have to point out deceptive advertising and while it's not fair to say that the spider hero team isn't in the movie because it is kind of what I can tell you is that it is not much and it is not consequential at all. And I think that they were leaning into that because Sydney Sweeney's been hitting it big and they wanted to sell this superhero team up and it looks very comic booky. But the three girls are just three high school girls, like for the entirety of the movie and how they weave in this potential superhero team, I'll let you discover in the film. But if you are going for those superheroics, you are not going to be satisfied with this movie. I mean, I don't know if you're gonna be satisfied satisfied with this movie if you're not going for the superheroics but you definitely won't be if you are This is mainly a movie about Cassandra Webb and her future seeing powers. Her nemesis is Ezekiel, played by actor Tahar Rahim in what is both one of the worst written and worst acted supervillain performances that I've seen in a comic book film. Tahar Rahim is an acclaimed actor. He has multiple major award nominations under his belt, so I'm not gonna sit here and say that the guy can't act, but I will say that he acts terribly in this movie. I don't know if it was the material, I don't know if it was the direction, but whatever it was, it doesn't work. Ezekiel has spider powers that are very similar to Spider-Man's in that they are Spider-Man's and a suit that's very close to the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man suit in that it's pretty much just a black version of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man suit, but there doesn't appear to be a direct connection to Spider-Man himself in any way in this movie, which makes it super weird because it'd be like a Batman universe movie that's set before Batman's a thing where there's a guy who dresses up like a bat and whose parents also died in an alley, but he's not connected with Batman in any way. He's just another guy with those super specific things in the same universe. I don't really think there's some sort of narrative trickery happening here. I think they just wanted to pack as much Spider-Man imagery into this movie to get people to show up. If you didn't think that a movie without Spider-Man could figure out a way to make great power, great responsibility references, well, then you're sorely mistaken, because in this movie, there are several. I guess this maybe counts as a prequel to some form of Spider-Man based on the time and the setting it might be Tom Holland's Spider-Man. They don't really specify. There are some very key characters in the Spider-Man mythology that we haven't met before that do make an appearance in this movie, but at the same time it doesn't really seem important to the overall narrative. It's like Sony gave Matt and Webb a directive to make this movie both essential to Spider-Man's storyline and completely superfluous to it, and I guess it's probably obvious why. They don't know if the movie's gonna work, so they don't want to make a, an integral piece of the puzzle to the character in case audiences reject it. But it's still a very odd half measure. The movie really should have just been set contemporary with the events in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man because it is set in the early 2000s and this feels like a comic book movie from the early 2000s. I actually think that you could have made this movie, special effects and all, in 2003, sealed it up in a time capsule, unboxed it this year, put it up in theaters, and it would be pretty much the same movie. And I'm not saying that in a, oh, isn't this a cool throwback kind of way. I'm saying that in a, this reminds me of early 2000s superhero movies in a bad way kind of way. It's like a love letter to an era of superhero films that people largely want to forget. I mean, yeah, there was Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and some of the early X-Men movies, but there was a lot of not great stuff too that this is much closer to, like Daredevil. And it would be sort of like if at the end of Skyfall, they promised that Daniel Craig was gonna go back and make Bond movies that were like the Roger Moore cheesy 1970s Bond movies. Like, hey, we're gonna go back and start doing this again. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, there's a reason you stopped doing those things. Things. Like I get the reference, but I don't think that anybody wants to go back to that time. And it's not really much of a superhero film. There's not much of what you could call superhero action. It's mainly just Dakota Johnson seeing the future and rushing her trio of teenage wards out of a room just ahead of the villain showing up to kill them like the Terminator. Get get up. Get off, get off. Get up, me, go, get off. You're gonna die if you stay here. Get up. This is actually a pretty grounded movie right up until the end, which culminates in a hilariously wishy washy quasi setup for a sequel that even the movie says might happen, featuring some of the worst costume design and the goofiest looks in a superhero movie I've seen in a very long time. Again, this is a throwback to the early 2000s in nearly every way, some good. Most bad. I didn't hate this movie in the way that I hated Morbius. This is just a weird movie. Dakota Johnson just kind of floats through it, doesn't really seem to know what she's supposed to be doing there, which honestly, if you've seen the interviews that she's done on this press tour, apparently match the way that she actually felt on set. Sidney Sweeney, Celeste O'Connor, and Isabel Merced are all good at portraying the one character trait that each of their characters are given, but you keep waiting for the movie to do something with them, only to be told that if we're all really good and we buy. To tickets for this movie, then they maybe might think about doing something somehow with them in the next movie. Which made me think, hey, you know, maybe we skip the part where we wait for the next movie and you just come up with something interesting for them to do in this one. Because I kept waiting for this movie to kick into another gear and then it just kinda ended. It's not a total loss. There are some funny moments in this movie, some of them intentional, some of them unintentional. And it's always fun to play the spot the early 2000s cultural reference game. Uh, There was a lot of a Pepsi product placement in this. So you got the old Pepsi cans, there was a Mountain Dew Code Red that popped up a few different times. Pepsi actually must have shelled out a lot of money because the final fight in the movie is literally held underneath a big sign that says Pepsi Cola. So I guess that's marketing money well spent for Pepsi and really what says early 2000s more than a movie that is heavily sponsored by Pepsi. I mean, I guess I could say I wasn't really bored in this movie because I was mostly confused and trying to figure out what exactly it was going for. And for a while it was so bizarrely interesting that I thought about putting it in the it's okay tier on my personal scale, but the terrible villain, the cheesy ending and the shameless empty promise of a superhero team that it doesn't deliver have me downgrading Madam Web to not a fan. And actually, it may be more entertaining to post up outside of a theater playing Madam Web to hear people reacting to the movie than it may be to actually go inside that theater and watch the movie itself. Public service announcement, by the way, unless they change things from the screening and I doubt that they would this late in the game, there are no mid-credit scenes and there are no post-credit scenes to hang around for. So you can just run on out of the theater as soon as it's over. Was anybody really beating the doors down for a Madame Web movie? I don't really think so. So let's do what this movie probably should have done and leave the forgettable third tier superhero movies back in the early 2000s where they belong. So those are my thoughts on Madame Web, which hits theaters on Valentine's Day, February the 14th. What do you think? Are you still excited to see the movie? Let me know down in the comments below. And before we go, I wanna thank the sponsor for this video, Factor. It's a busy world out there, and sometimes it's tough to find the time to eat right. Factor makes sure that time isn't a factor, with chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. Each week, you get over 35 different choices, with meal plans that include keto, vegan and veggie options, and more, and there are over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that can help you round out those meal plans each and every day. Factor isn't just about the ingredients though, it's also about the time with restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you're ready. Factor also offers snacks, smoothies, and more so that you can plan out an entire day, not just one or two meals. Plus Factor is less expensive than grabbing takeout or eating out every day, and you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus you can pause or reschedule your deliveries Anytime. No prep, no mess. Head to Factormeals.com slash Merle50 and use the code Merle50 to get 50% off. That's code Merle50 at Factormeals.com slash Merle50 to get 50% off. Thanks to Factor for sponsoring this video, and thank you for watching. Charts with Dan will be out later this afternoon because of the early embargo from Adam Webb. I had to flip the schedule around a little bit, but you can stay tuned right here for charts as well as movie news reviews, all the stuff that we do here on the channel. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.